Yeah, welcome everybody. Good morning to you. Uh, if you were here last week, you'll have picked up that what we do here Sunday by Sunday is we spend some time worshipping God, but also we teach something from the Bible. And last week, Jim kicked us off with a new mini called a teaching series looking at the whole subject of worship. So I do recommend that you, if you can, go onto YouTube or via our website, go back and listen to Jim's talk from last week. It was really, really good. And we're going to continue that theme this morning. And I just want to read uh, one particular verse to you from the book of Romans chapter 12. And it says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In a few moments, I'm going to come back to uh, to look at that. But um, it's very, very practical. One of the things that we're thinking about is what we do here on a Sunday. We worship God uh, by singing. But in this passage, in this verse that we've just read, it is also very, very practical. It's how you and I if we're followers of Jesus, can worship him moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour. And uh, this morning, I've got the privilege of interviewing Hannah Martin. Some of you will know Hannah. Uh, She's part of the church here. But she is just back from representing England at the Commonwealth Games. And I'd love you just to watch this clip before I invite her onto the stage. Really? Amazing. Wow, wasn't that amazing? Hannah, will you come up and join me up here? Why don't we welcome Hannah? (laughs) Thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning. That really was amazing. I mean, wasn't that amazing? I've never seen anything like it. Every time. I get emotional watching it. You know, what are you doing to me? But absolutely fantastic. And... uh, Amazing, you're 15 years old, uh, youngest member of the England team in the Commonwealth Games. Um, We're thinking about this series of worship and how we can worship God in everything that we do this morning, which is why I wanted to ask Hannah some of her perspectives. So how did you get involved? When when did you start with the... So I was, you know, doing ballet and dance from a very young age pretty much since I was born I was dancing and I just loved it and then um, when I was about eight years old um, my mum who used to be a rhythmic gymnast herself she took me to um, a gymnastics club that her friend ran so that was really amazing and I just really loved it and I loved the whole competitive side of it as well so um, I didn't really start going really elite training and full-time training till I was about 10 or 11 Um, and then it kind of all kind of stemmed from there I guess. Amazing and um, when we were talking last week uh, you were saying that you you put a lot of hours in uh, as far as training and practicing how many hours a week do you put in? Yeah, like leading up to the Commonwealth, we had squads and we were training about eight hours a day. So we had about 30 plus hours a week uh, training in the gym. 30 hours a week. And you're also at school work, you're studying for GCSEs at yes. the moment. So you've got 30 hours of you know, training plus 
Uh, how does that look and work? That must be uh, difficult. Yeah, basically, because I'm homeschooled, that helped a lot because then I was able to do quite a lot of my work when I was away. But obviously, because we were training so much, there's only a certain amount that can be done within a day. So... Um, I've now come back from Australia and I'm looking at all the work I've got to do and I have my exam on Tuesday. So um, God's helping me through that right now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, revision is going good. Amazing, amazing. (laughs) So as we think about uh, this morning, you you were telling me you became a Christian, part of a Christian family, lovely Christian family, uh, became Christian at quite a a young age. Um, How does your faith impact your day-to-day? So for you, it's very different to many of us here. How how does your faith help you, your faith in Jesus help you? A lot of times, even just on a normal training basis, we have up and downs in just training because that it's just the way it goes you know we're working long hours a day and sometimes you wake up and you think I don't think I can get out of bed today and train because you just feel really exhausted and I feel like in those moments is the times where you like I have to lean on God even more because it's not in my own power that I'm doing it it's in God's and there was some trainings before the Commonwealth where I, I wasn't feeling 100% but I still had to train and I literally was I looked at my coach and was like I can't I can't train today and it was actually through God's power that I actually managed to complete the eight hours of training a day because otherwise like, so you're like praying talking to God about God I need you to help me yeah kind of that sort of thing uh-huh. so I'm I would be in the middle of a training session and it wouldn't maybe wouldn't be going so well and I just you know pray and ask God just to be with me not even like make things it's not like Lord make things better it's like Lord be with me while I go through this because it's the hard times that make you who you are and it's not like Lord just let me not have any like bad times let me just have a great smooth road you're not going to learn anything from that so having asking God to help you through the bad times is I think the most crucial amazing I mean like you I'm an elite athlete and I know uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's actually but, been but, training with me through all this. Yeah. Um, but should we, he should didn't, we perform now? <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Yeah, he didn't quite make the team. But next time... <laughs> didn't make the team at all. I was helping him next time. I'm proud. <laughs> the tables are turned. But um, what I was, was going to say was that, um, you know, there are low points as well. And I'm fascinated to hear what you're saying about how you are just talking to God and helping... God helping you through those lower moments. In fact, even out in Australia, yeah. there was a moment where you got injured. Can you just say a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah. Basically, I had a training and I had a little twinge in my foot. So I was like, oh, just go check it out with the physio. And then the physio said, okay, that's fine. I'll give you some treatment. Just check it out with the doctor. So I was like, okay, we'll just go to the doctor for five minutes and get it checked up and then I'll get some treatment on it. Anyway, I went to the doctor said, oh, just a little bit of pain, like one or two out of ten maximum. And then she was like, okay, we need to get you in a boot. We need to get you in crutches. We need to get you off to the MRI scan, like, right now. And I was just like, hold on a minute. <laughs> What's going on? Um, so some question about even whether you'd be allowed to compete. Yeah. They were, they were questioning, like they said, you know, it's at your own risk if you compete, blah, 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 blah. But I was like, God's placed me here. I'm going to do what he's you know place me here to do so um psychologically that was quite difficult um knowing such and such and every time I trained felt like oh what if I hurt it more or something 
but God really helped me through that like in trainings he helped me place that to one side and like as I said through the bad times he's helping me through it so when I was competing I was almost pain free so that was wow you were saying that um, normally you're you're quite nervous before a competition this is the biggest competition that you've done to date Um, how did you process that yeah I mean normally before something quite as big as this I'd be freaking out but actually what was really really amazing about this competition before the all-around final I was just you know getting ready to warm up and everything and I just felt such peace like a supernatural peace nothing like I've ever felt before and it was I was just there and I just felt God like he was he was right there and he was saying you know whatever happens today I'm just with you and I felt at peace I was like you know if I don't do well he's going to be like right there if I do well he's going to be right there and that was that was a really amazing feeling for me and you wrote a poem didn't you yeah would you be happy to read that yeah of course so before yeah sorry (laughs) before I started warm-up um I was just like this I wanted to document this feeling because it was something I felt like you know in the future maybe I wanted to share with others and um, yeah so this is what I wrote just before I started to warm up for the all around final feeling such peace inside I know that the Lord's presence presides I cast all my doubts on him for he is my saviour he is my king I know he is near even when I fear I know he loves me even when I can't seem to see I know he knows what is best, so now I just need to perform and let him do the rest. His anointing is pouring on me like a fountain. With him I can overcome any obstacle, any mountain. I love him more and more every day. He gives me words when I don't know what to say. He gives me courage when I've lost my fight. He gives me bravery when I get up tight. Every breath I take, I thank Jesus. He is the one who gives us life, forgives us and frees us. Hallelujah, Lord, you are awesome. No words can describe how truly beautiful you are. Wherever I am, I know that you are not far. And as I step onto that carpet and show the gifts you have given, I know that I don't have to struggle to fight with myself to be so driven because your peace is all that I need to go out there and succeed. So how did you do? Yeah, it went quite well, actually. <laughs> it was... I, the main thing is, is that I just really enjoyed it. Like, some competitions, I could be so nervous that I don't really take anything in that's going around me. But I just went out there, and I felt so close to God. It was unbelievable. And even though in my clubs I had a little bit of a mishap at the end, I still felt, like, God's joy, which I wouldn't normally feel after a routine where I made a little mistake. And I actually my scores were I was the most improved gymnast from the first day to the second day which was amazing and I just it was a really amazing experience to feel God that close and if I hadn't have gone to the Commonwealth I would have never had that experience and getting to the Commonwealth was all of God's you know God's work as well so you came Seventh, is that right, in one competition? Mm-hmm. Can you, you tell yeah, uh, me? Yeah, so basically, um, the overall is we do four routines. We do ball, hoop, 
clubs and ribbon and those four routines the scores are added together to make an overall total and then your overall total is what ranks you so um Normally this is like the hardest event because you have to be consistent over four pieces and I managed to come seventh which I was which exceeded everyone's expectations and um <laughs> I also got into the ball final where I came fifth which was also well done it's amazing <laughs> thank you um people come from all sorts of different backgrounds here but everybody in this room has an opportunity to serve God and know God in the world that they inhabit. What advice would you give to people that are here? Well, the main thing is is that I think when you're making big life decisions or, for example, for me, when I'm coming up to a big competition, you need to focus on him. For example, when I'm coming up to a big competition, I shut off like all my social media and I listen to Christian music and Christian podcasts just to get you in the God's perspective not human perspective because then it it gets your mind focused on God not on human goals like medals and etc it makes you focus on what God sees and what God wanted me to do in this competition is just be close to him and know him and really experience the way his love can affect how I perform and I really in that song that we were singing in worship you know his love is greater than any other and that really I had never felt that so strong as I did in Commonwealth and I think in decisions we need to focus on God's perspective and whether we choose a right decision or choose the wrong decision he's going to be with us all the way and that's really important because when I was going to perform I was like, Lord, you're going to help me. If it goes right, you're going to be with me. If it goes wrong, you're going to support me. And so when we make decisions, it's not just like, Lord, help me make the right decision, and then you make the bad one, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's over. It's like, Lord, help me bring you when I make this decision. Help me go your path in this decision, whatever decision I make. You're going to be with me. You're going to be supporting me and holding me through this. However it goes, if it goes badly, if it goes well, you're going to be there supporting me. And I think that's the most important thing. That's so much wisdom for us. Thank you. So helpful. So Hannah, just because of her schedule, she can't be part of uh, family every Sunday but do think of her and uh, yeah so what can we say but amazing Hannah thank you thank can you we thank you absolutely amazing Thanks, guys, for that. Wow. That truly is remarkable. To my shame, I'd never seen uh, rhythmic gymnastics before. I've watched a lot of gymnastics, but never actually seen rhythmic gymnastics before. And when I started watching some clips, I was just like, amazing. You know, I... I so I, I will get on to reading some bits of the Bible, but I just, you know, Hannah, just amazing. The thing where you like throw the ribbon up in the air and just sort of like do some stuff, you know, 
walk around, you know, a few things, and then you just catch you with one hand, just keep going. It's just, I know it was better than that, wasn't it? That wasn't a very good impression of it. But uh, yeah, just uh, stunning. And thank you for sharing with us uh, your experience and also your wisdom. Uh, we really received that. So as I said, you know, this morning, I just want to um, really focus in on, on really how we worship God, not just with our lips, important though that is, it's how do we, how do you, how do I worship this amazing God through everything that we do? And I think Hannah unpacked some of that so beautifully. I, I uh, was chatting to a friend, a new friend really, from, from our Alpha course, and she was saying uh, week by week she'd kind of go home and feed back to her husband about how Alpha had been going. And her husband would ask her this question. He'd say, oh, great to see you. How was Jesus Club? <laughs> I kind of like that, you know? It, it, you know, it sounds like that's a club I want to be in. But I suppose the negative flip side of that is that with any club or organisation, often the way that you know you're accepted is if you keep the rules. If you kind of keep the the you know the rules, and so people might say, "Well, how do I how do I join in?" Well, it's by keeping the rules. But actually, what we heard and what I read earlier, if I refer to it again. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What that verse is, it's the polar opposite of this sense that to be to belong that you need to keep some rules and regulations this is the polar opposite and Paul who wrote this letter to this church in Rome he makes it clear he says therefore in view of God's mercy well what, what's, what's mercy when, uh, next week just to sort of divert slightly though I'll come back to what mercy is uh, I, um, I have a, a sister an older sister she's two years older than me when we were getting up we I don't know if you've got siblings but we just kind of got on sometimes a lot of the time we were fighting and uh, my, my sister is uh, just a lovely lady she's one of the kindest people you can meet she's so generous she um, always goes out of her way for other people helps other people she's certainly one of the hardest working people I know uh, and next Saturday uh, she lives in France but she's getting coming over here next Saturday I have the privilege of uh, walking her down the aisle and giving her away as she gets married which is a huge honour for me but to rewind back to our childhood, having an older sister wasn't always quite as nice. And we used to play this game, I call it a game, uh, called Mercy Mercy. And it would go something like this. What would happen was she would wrestle me to the floor and she would kneel on my arms, on the upper part of my arms here so I couldn't move. And then she would say to me, say mercy, mercy. And 
if I didn't say mercy, mercy to her, she would dribble in my face. That's why I want to make it really, really clear that my sister actually is a fantastic human being. But she would kneel on me, say mercy, 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 mercy. And and then she would still dribble in my face anyway. So when we think about in view of God's mercy, is that what we're talking about? No. In view of God's mercy from God isn't anything like that. Mercy is his amazing, abounding love and goodness and kindness and grace that is poured out on us, actually demonstrated through the life and death and resurrection and ascension to heaven of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So what Paul says in this, in this book, is in this letter that he wrote, in view of that, in view of God's mercy, keep God's mercy inside. I urge you, he says, in view of God's mercy, yes, there's some responses we're going to make with our bodies, but in view of God's mercy, keep our focus on that. So what's he talking about? Well, he says, therefore, believe it or not, and it's hard to believe, but I have actually had some theological training. You know, I know that will surprise some of you. And Arnold Bell, who was one of our lecturers, he took us through the book of Romans. He's died not so long ago and is now with Jesus. But I remember he always used to say this. He said, if in the Bible there's a therefore, you've got to ask what it's there for. If there's a therefore, you've got to ask what it's there for. And Paul says here, therefore, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to offer your bodies as spiritual living sacrifices. So so what's there for? Well, actually, this is the beginning of Romans chapter 12. What that means is he has spent 11 chapters saying, you want to be in Jesus' club? This is how. It's nothing that you do to be accepted. It's everything he's done that makes you accepted. So he starts in Romans chapter 1. He greets them. He says some things. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, that, he says I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Why? Because it's the power of God that can come into your life and my life. Because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. He starts there. So in Romans chapter 1, he starts there. Then he starts to unpack how we as people are broken and sinful and have rebelled against God, whether we're religious or irreligious. Chapters 1 and 2 unpack that. That we're under the wrath of God. But then in chapters 3 and 4, he gets to this. He says this. For all have sinned in chapter 3. All have sinned. And have fallen short of God's glory. But are justified, the next verse is, freely by his grace. What does that mean? What does justification mean? What that, what that means is, in the courtroom of heaven, God as judge looks at you and me, and if we put our faith in Jesus, if we said, Jesus, I want to follow you, God the Almighty Judge looks at you and says, you are declared righteous. Because of what my son has done. 
that's what it means to be justified. Billy Graham, who's died recently, he always used to say, just if I had never sinned, just if I'd never sinned. You're declared righteous. It's a positive. Not only is sin removed, the negative is gone, but positively, you and I are declared right before God. So Romans 3 and 4. Then in Romans 5, we get to this. Romans chapter 5, amazing, full of amazing truth. It says, whilst you and I, whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, I was a God-hater. Outwardly, I'm a nice, sort of like middle-class person or whatever, working-class person, whatever you want to call it. But inwardly, I'm a God-hater. I don't want to know God. Whilst I was still a sinner, Christ Jesus died on the cross for me. He didn't wait for me to be good enough. He died for me. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then it talks about, in Romans 5, it talks about how before we knew Jesus... It's like we had a, the head of our sort of human race. What I'm descended from is this man, Adam. It says that all in Adam are dead in their sins. They're dead, but all are made alive in Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and 6. And then we get to Romans 7. You see, why, why am I saying this? Because therefore, in view of God's mercy, in fact, the, the original said in view of God's mercies, plural, in view of God's mercy, Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Part, Romans chapter 7 says this. Actually, before we knew Jesus, it's like we're married to an abusive husband. The Bible talks about we're married to the law. In other words, legalism. In other words, rules and regulations. You're accepted if you keep these rules. Well, we can never keep the rules. And therefore, the law condemns us. It says you'll never be good enough. You failed. You're a failure. Before God, you are a failure. But what it says is, we were married to the law, but when Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross, the written code of the law was nailed to the cross with him because he fulfilled it all. That means the law's dead as far as we're concerned. And now, it says we belong to another. His name's Jesus. And we're bare fruit for him. It's like the old husband is dead. And now we're married to another who loves us with an everlasting love. It's Romans 7. Beginning of Romans chapter 8. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, the 11 chapters that have gone before what we're talking about today... Romans chapter 8, therefore there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Oh, you could park on that for a while, couldn't you? You could stop, there's no condemnation. You see, my life is still so messed up. Yet I 100% know God loves me just the way I am. That means you can be here today, you can be broken, struggling with mental health, struggling with addictions, struggling, and you can come to Jesus And he'll take you just the way you are. Because it isn't about you, it's about him, what he's done. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's done it all. And what about further on in Romans chapter 8? If I may take a moment to to talk about that. Where it says, actually, because of his spirit, the spirit of Jesus poured out into our hearts. By him, we're now adopted into God's family. Adopted into his family. He's happy 
Jesus, it says that Jesus is happy to call me his brother or you his sister. We're brought into his family, adopted. That means I can know a loving father. I haven't had a great experience of fathering, but I can now know a loving father who loves me, whatever, will never let me down and never let me go. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Not Abba, the pop group, but Abba means Father, Daddy. And then further on in Romans 8, what does it say? Well, the, the theological version would be the final perseverance of the saints is what it used to be called. What on earth does that mean? Put that into English. What it means is he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion till the day of Christ Jesus. That means he's called you. Even if you mess up all the way along, he's still going to pluck you out of that. He's going to bring you to heaven and welcome you with open arms. That's what it means. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, it's the 11 chapters previously. And Romans 8 goes on, there's so much there that we could say. Where it says, not only are you glorified, that means you're going to be amazingly transformed. But it says, who can separate you from the love of Christ? Nothing. Not even death itself can separate you from God's love. It's Romans chapter 8. Amazing, isn't it? And what, what about Romans chapter, chapter 9? Romans chapter 9 talks about God's mercy. His amazing mercy. Ro- Romans chapter 10 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 11 talks about this amazing family that God has, has made of chosen people now. And at the end of Romans 11, this is amazing kind of hymn that Paul says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Because of what he said in these 11 verses, the truth that the 11 chapters he said, he, he kind of bursts into worship. How unsearchable God's judgments, his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? And it says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, 11 chapters, imperfectly summarised by me, But therefore, in view of God's mercy, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You are not accepted by what you do. Oh, but come on. You hear that? You think about that? You think, oh, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I want to kind of respond and say, God, you know, imperfect though I am, I give you myself. Why, why wouldn't I do that? Offer my body as a living sacrifice. To, and obviously there's some Old Testament imagery here of animal sacrifice. Look, let's make it really, really clear. There's only one sacrifice that makes you acceptable to God, and that's the life and death of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection perfection his perfect sacrifice is the only way that you and I will be made right with God but our response is 
to say, God, here I am. And Hannah, you put it so beautifully. Just offering yourself moment by moment to him. But you see, it's very, very practical. I'd love to read that verse in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 to you, but this time in the message version. It will come up on the screen as well. Because I think this, it is so practical. It is about what is our response to this practically? What do I do? So here's what I want you to do, it says. God helping you. Take your everyday life, your ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So how do we offer our bodies in worship to God? I love the Bible because in one sense it's all spiritual. We're talking about an internal change that God does that makes us right before him. And in view of all that, there's an internal motivation that actually makes a difference to how we act. So I'm talking about actually what you do with your hands, moment by moment, day by day, about what you do with your eyes, about what you do with your, your physical body, day by day. The Bible says that our bodies are temples of God's Holy Spirit. So what I do with, with my body, it can be an act of worship. An old friend of mine, Dave Witherell, some of you know Dean and Caroline, Caroline's dad, I remember him preaching maybe 25 years ago on this verse. He said, the problem with living sacrifices is when they're on the altar, they want to crawl off. How true that is. How true that is. See, I, I can choose moment by moment whether I'm going to be selfish and respond selfishly or whether I'm going to say, God, you know what? I want to respond how you would want me to respond. And our bodies will try and be number one. They'll try and make themselves the boss. So after the first meeting, a lady came up to me and she said, you know, for me, sleep was the thing. So sleep was above God. So if she didn't get a full night's sleep, there was problems. Because what can happen is our appetites, our bodies will try and rule over us. The Bible says that actually we're slaves. Either we're slaves to sin if we don't know Jesus, or we're slaves to righteousness through Jesus Christ. So actually, when we become Christians, we're saying, do you know what, Jesus, you're now my master. The wonderful thing is, though, it's voluntary slavery. It's not all the negative connotations that we have. It's saying, do you know what? You are worth serving because in view of God's mercy. So is sleep above God for you? Is it a badge of honour? Maybe you say, well, I can get by on two hours sleep a night. Or is it just, oh, I can't function with it. You know, what is it for you? Or maybe it's, it's sex. See, sex is fantastic. The Bible, I was going to say the Bible's full of it. That's the wrong expression. But... You know, it's, it's a God-given gift in the context of a loving relationship in marriage. But is, is sex a God for you? Offer 
your bodies as, as living sacrifices? Or what about what we eat? Our bodies will, because it's an appetite, will say you must eat more, you must eat more. Or conversely, you must eat less. Whereas actually what the Bible says is, you know, food is good, but gluttony isn't. Sex is good, but making it God isn't. I was interested to know that I think it's one in four people in the UK this year will experience some struggle with mental health issues. Well, one of the things the Bible teaches us is that actually we shouldn't neglect our health. And I understand in a gathering like this that, you know, sometimes that's not possible. People suffer from ill health. But for many of us in the room, we choose to neglect ourselves. Is that offering ourselves as worship to God? So taking exercise has been proved to improve mental health. Somebody else came up to me after the first meeting and said, I've found, I've struggled with mental health issues since I started exercising. It's helped me just to have a completely different perspective. Now she's a believer in Jesus, but she's just saying that. But equally, exercise can become a God. So it's use, don't abuse. I hope you hear my heart in this. I'm not, I'm trying to be true to what the scripture says. In view of God's mercy, let us offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. It's very, very practical advice. I wonder if we may just stand together, if you're able to. I'd love to invite the worship band back up. We are going to respond in worship to God. But just before, excuse me, just before we do that, I would like to just read a little bit further into Romans chapter 12 in the message version. In 1 Corinthians 10.31 it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do it all for the glory of God. We've heard that beautifully expressed this morning from Hannah. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let me just read from the message version of Romans 12. And let's apply these words to our lives. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. This morning, if you're here, and if you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful you don't get bossy. You see, in view of God's mercy, we're offering our bodies as living sacrifices. It's very practical, isn't it? I could stop at each one of these and think, yeah, that's me. If you're put in charge, 
So if you're in a position of authority in your home, in your workplace, over others, it says, if you're put in charge, don't manipulate. It's very practical, isn't it, the Bible? In view of God's mercy. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with a disadvantage, I know many here do, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Is this helpful? Love from the centre of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends. In view of God's mercy, let us offer our bodies as living souls. Be good friends is what the Apostle Paul then unpacks. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. You know in an orchestra there's the first fiddle, the prominent one? Practice playing second fiddle. Not putting yourself at the top. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. You said that, Hannah. Don't quit in hard times. Pray pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. I wonder how many people drove here today. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Is there anybody you need to just put things right with? Get along with each other. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. Just realised I looked at Dan Lenk when I said that. (laughs) You are beautiful. Beyond description. (laughs) Two marvellous words, Dan. (laughs) If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Powerful way. In view of God's mercy, I urge you, brothers and sisters, and me included, to offer my and your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual, though it's very practical, act of worship. May we worship and respond to God.